a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And third, the NFL says the Pittsburgh-Tennessee game originally scheduled for this Sunday will be moved to Monday or Tuesday. Eight Titans players and other team personnel tested positive after their last game, forcing the team to shut down. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you. Lots to cover, and uh, we're going to get right back at it. Uh, really pleased to be joined by our good friend, independent pollster Scott Rasmussen. Joining us on the line, uh, Scott, uh, what's the state of Florida look like today? <laughs> Dare I ask? <laughs> well, well, you know, it's funny you ask that, and I would tell you how wonderful it is. But in a political context, people are always asking, you know, what's going on in Florida? Because this is one of the most essential states for Donald Trump. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a toss up because it always is. <laughs> Some things just don't change. <laughs> That's right. At least we can count on that. Well, uh, I we've been going back and forth uh, this morning and uh, really all across the country in terms of the, the train wreck, dumpster fire, hot mess that uh, was the first of the presidential debates for 2020. Uh, as you watched it from your perch uh, there, not just from Florida, but really as you look at the national uh, conscience and feeling of uh, Americans uh, what went through your mind, and uh, what are you kind of anticipating we will see coming out of it? Well, it, it, first of all, the debate, or whatever you call it, was so bad that uh, I, you know, I'm, I tend to be very optimistic. I'm very optimistic about America's future, even though I think political, our political system is badly broken. Uh, there were moments during the debate when I wondered maybe if I should rethink my optimism. It was just <laughs> such a horrible display. Um, and, you know, you went through all the details of the bad manners and the other things that went on and, and discussions that would not be tolerated in any suburban home or really in any home. It was uh, it was very disappointing when I take that hat off and, and try and look at what happened. Um, a couple of things were apparent. First, uh, the Biden campaign does appear to be perhaps following a similar strategy to Hillary Clinton. Um, in 2016, in the sense that they just believe Donald Trump is so obviously unqualified and, and, and inappropriate for the job that that's all they have to show. Uh, you know, research after election 2016 showed that Donald Trump talked more about issues than Hillary Clinton did, um, and the issues helped him. I think we saw a little bit of that last night. Uh, the president, uh, through uh, I guess what would be kindly called unorthodox methods did um, get the uh, Biden uh, did get Joe Biden to acknowledge that he's really not for the Green Deal. I thought the line where Biden said, I am the Democratic Party was uh, perhaps a little troubling to some supporters of the more progressive wings of the party. Um, There were comments on fracking and some other things, I think, marginally on the issues uh, the president may have gained. If I if I had to guess. I would say the race might tighten a point or two in the coming week. Mm. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, if there's a uh, 
point or two. And, of course, there's not a lot of undecideds out there. Uh, but to me, the interesting thing is, uh, did the debate do anything to get those that uh, were currently thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm probably just going to sit this one out or I, you know, I'm not overly concerned whether I get my ballot filled out uh, or not this year. I'm, I'm just disengaged. I suspect if you were disengaged before that debate, you didn't finish watching the debate and you're more disengaged from the process than you were ahead of time. Um, on the other hand, and, and again, you know, I think you and I talked uh, several months ago about how the campaigns, you know, made certain bets about how this pandemic would play out. Uh, broadly speaking, the Democratic response from governors and the president and, or, and uh, the former vice president was all along the lines of we need to lock down more and be more cautious. President Trump and Republicans were talking more about reopening. Uh, you know, those those differences were on display, and I don't think um, it's a, a, a clear winner for either side at the moment. Uh, what we do know is pessimism about the pandemic is declining. There is growing support for reopening more quickly, uh, but it's not, um, you know, it, it's not let's just uh, throw our cares to the world and reopen everything. People have a high degree of caution. So, So that was one thing. The place where I thought um, and again, you know, I, I, I want to put this in the context of issues and, and expectations. You know, the, a lot of Republicans thought Joe Biden would disqualify himself last night. He certainly didn't do that. He certainly didn't uh, sew up the, uh, the, not the race either. And the one area where I felt there was a little bit of tone deafness, um, I, 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 there was a lot of tone deafness <laughs> yeah, in the conversation. So. A lot but, of cowbell. But yeah. in the, but in, <laughs> But in the in the grander scheme of things, uh, the Biden campaign seems to be playing heavily on the idea that America is, um, you know, in debate than we've ever been. And it's Trump's fault. He caused the economic problem, not the pandemic. Uh, I, you know, I did some polling uh, with the Deseret News showing that most people in Utah uh, believe they're better off than they were four years ago. I ran the nationwide, and 49% of voters believe they are better off than they were four years ago. And so at some point, uh, you know, I think that message that everything is horrible um, doesn't click quite so well. Uh, that's, uh, that's a really fascinating one, and, and uh, obviously a lot of things going well here in the state of Utah, and so we, we often expect that to be a little higher there, but interesting nationally that that's uh, playing out at about 50%. Uh, I think that's a, an interesting number. What are uh, just in our last uh, minute or so here, Scott? What are other numbers or other areas uh, that you're going to be monitoring as we come down the less than five weeks to go here uh, on the campaign? What are some of the things you're looking for or hoping to understand about where the American people are? Well, in terms of things about the election itself, I'm going to be watching whatever hints we can get of turnout in terms of who are requesting. Uh, ballots who are showing up to vote early and those sorts of things. You know, each state, when they begin to allow early voting, you're going to want to see um, how much or how, who is showing up, because we would expect the Democrats to open up a fairly substantial lead from the early voting. Right. And you want to see if that's confirmed in the trends. Um, in terms of the public response, I'm going to be watching to see how the dynamic unfolds with the Supreme Court confirmation battle. Um, you know, that's going to be interesting because uh, Republicans who don't like the president but like some of his results 
see the bad side of the president's behavior every day, but the Barrett uh, nomination reminds them of the benefits they get. So watching how that plays out, see if that if the choice is between Barrett or not Barrett, that's a better uh, discussion for the president than whether people like Donald Trump uh, as their president. So be watching to see how that plays. And then ultimately, you know, again, everything comes back down to what's happening in the real world with the economy and the pandemic. Uh, consumer confidence shot up yesterday far more than expected. Um, if the economy is growing a little better than we expect, well, then maybe the race will be even a little tighter. Mm. Great insight. As always, Scott Rasmussen, we'll have you back real soon. A long way to go. Uh, always appreciate your insight. Talk to you soon, boy. All right. Again, that's Scott Rasmussen uh, joining us there. Great insight on the national page. When we come back, you don't want to miss this. Stay in your car. Get the KSL News Radio app. Three things you should bring to a political conversation with our good friend Joseph Grandy. Don't miss it. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.